to welcome to the for your thoughts podcast where psychology pop culture and self meet what it do baby booze what it do baby booze what it do baby booze i hope you guys are all well um i had a great weekend had a great past couple of weeks everything has been everything from what i would like to share and um I hope you guys loved Raven's episode. I'm so pissed about the sounds to this day. This is the day I'm pissed. And even the visuals, we were having troubles getting that up. And one thing I have to been have been having to work on is like my perfectionism because my perfectionism will lead to like mad procrastination in the sense of like, oh my God, you're supposed to look this way and I'm trying to figure it out. But sometimes it's just like, F it, just throw it up there. Like it's okay for it to not be 100% right this time the content is still the content what's being said in the message is still the same so it's all good you know things happen things happen so i'm gonna get that video out and some clips out today as in tuesday i'm recording but y'all will be hearing this on thursday and for today's episode we have a very special guest because it's mental health awareness month i definitely wanted to um bring in more mental health professionals so we have She is a licensed therapist. Um, We went to UTSA together, undergrad, and um, we just stayed connected via social media like everybody else does. And she's one of my favorite people on Twitter. Um, And I just love her approach to providing um, knowledge on mental health and things like that. So it's going to be a great combo. And she also dived into the whole insecurity versus intuition topic with me a little bit more um adult ADD which is something that I um was diagnosed with and just all of the things mental health and um just hearing from a black woman in the space is always the best so stay tuned for that and um until then we're gonna get into these updates okay so for personal updates what is the tea um I don't even have any any tea, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I do want to say, I it's, hope this is how you say it. Happy Eid Mubarak to everyone who was doing Ramadan and fasting for that. I have a lot of friends who were doing that. And I've always wanted to do it with them. I think I'm going to do that next year. Because um, fasting is just everything. So I think I'm going to do that next year. And it's a good time to do it like right before the summer post-spring, a good transitional period. So I just want to say happy evening. I I believe um, this will be coming out around that time when they're done with that. So shout out to everyone who participated in Ramadan. That discipline is no joke. As a lifestyle, and even if you're just doing that just for Ramadan, it really is no joke. So I highly commend everybody who disciplines themselves in that fashion. So shout out to you guys. and blessings to you guys for sure. And I honestly don't have any updates because it's only been a week. Work has been great. Um, it doesn't even feel like work. It's more so like me consulting. So it's just, I just feel real grown in this space. I really, really, really love it. And um, yeah, everything has been great. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms. I was not able to be at home with my mom for Mother's Day. But every year I've been sending her like different flowers that mean different things. Um, This year I did a lily, so she loved it. And sadly it hadn't like bloomed yet, but she's gonna plant it in her garden and it's gonna bloom over time. And last year I got her an orchid, this year a lily. And what lilies represent is like purity, fertility, motherhood. So it was like a perfect thing for Mother's Day and just like new beginnings, birth, all those type of things. So super cute. Um, And yeah, happy Mother's Day to all the moms. Moms are the best. Um, For Mother's Day, for my social media, I just posted some of my inspirations for moms and motherhood and just people who are like near and dear to me, whether that's via social media or via real life or uh, mentors and things like that that are I know are going to be bomb moms are bomb moms new moms and I just I stand I stand mamas and motherhood I think it's just a beautiful space to be um so yeah happy mother's day to all the moms 
And a major Mother's Day shout out to Alexis. If you guys don't know and you're new here, she engineers the podcast. She deals with all of my shit and my scatteredness. She is the best. Like, she works so hard and still has so much fun. And she's a mom. And she is around our age or my age. And it's just mind blowing what women and not just women, but people are capable of. You don't know how capable you are until you are, you don't have a choice but to be. And that's one of the beautiful things I think about motherhood. And I cannot wait to experience it just to see like what my body does, what my mind does, and what my heart does. Um, Can't wait. So shout out to you, Alexis. I love you so much. Happy Mother's Day, girl. And yeah, y'all, we are going to move on to our next topic, which will be change. So for change this week, I'm giving it to Drewski. Drewski is a social media comedian. Now more than that, honestly, a huge comedian um, and Revolt TV and Adidas. They came together for this collab. It's called Sneaking In with Drewski. And basically, Adidas, you know, Stan Smith's, they're a super duper classic. And now they are making them out of recycled content, the shoes. So, of course, it's like a brand deal in a sense where he's wearing the shoes, of course, or he has them on his shoulders. But their goal is to make the earth more sustainable. And they are doing that through hip hop and just making actually hip hop more sustainable. Um, so basically, Drewski enters people's homes. So he entered Tiana Taylor's home. Snoop Dogg's home, Young Miami's home, and he's kind of like sneaking through there, whether he sneaks in as like a bodyguard or sneaks in as like um, the pool guy. He's undercover and inspecting things, and it's super cool as well because it's kind of like MTV Cribs also, but they didn't bite off of MTV Cribs, but we get to see everyone's home. And Tiana Taylor's house is immaculate it looks like it came out of like a dr seuss book um it's like a fantasy like house it's 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 special so so for example he went into young miami's house i believe and replaced her toothbrushes with more environmentally friendly toothbrushes somebody had plastic straws in their house and he replaced them with you know the reusable stainless steel ones and he kind of just like yo why are you using this you know and in a really cute way like letting people know like hey we can do better in the way that we live and the way that we're using and reducing our use of plastic waste and it's super cool because of course like I always say on this podcast the intersection between media and environmental science and especially hip-hop and just the way hip-hop moves all of us and moves the youth especially when they see this online um it's gonna be funny to them they're gonna learn something because Juski is so funny on air and then their favorite artist is going to be taking an initiative and like making sure that they live better to help our planet and stuff like that so I don't know who came up with this idea at Revolt TV but it's so dope I want you guys to definitely go check it out it's on YouTube and yeah, it's just about making hip hop more sustainable, keeping us all aware. And I think it was like the cutest idea. And I was like, definitely shout out to Drewski for getting change of the week um, and for an important cause. Shout out to Diddy. And honestly, shout out to whoever produced this. That's who I want. I'm like, let me find it. I'm like, is it Isha? Isha Throp? I'm going to hit her up and be like, girl, did you? Who, who did this um, at Revolt? And I really love that Revolt is stepping up their content game. If you're in content and media, you know that it was a struggle for them for a minute. And it was like, we all were like, yes, Revolt TV is gonna be great for black media and black culture. And it kind of flops a little bit, but they are on it when it comes to these new shows. And yeah, I love that show. They definitely get change of the week. We're thinking of an innovative way to implement environmental science education into hip hop, into sneaker culture, into the whole nine. So shout out to Adidas, Stan Smith. Um, I definitely need to cop some of those stat. But yeah, they get change of the week and we're gonna move on to our next topic, which will be my two cents. 
Before we get into my two cents, I want to shout out a incredible skincare line, Roya Shanice X Cosmetics by my girl Roya. Um, like I said on my, I posted it about this like early this, earlier this month, and um, I love skincare. Naturally, my face is okay. I don't have to do anything crazy to that. Like it's just. I don't really break out or anything like that, but um, my body scars very easily. My back, my chest, and even my legs. And it scarred so crazy when I came back from Tulum and I got bit by all those mosquitoes. Oh my God, if y'all go to Tulum, make sure you guys do not be outside without being sprayed down by some off spray. You will be pissed. But yeah, so... I had lots of scarring and I was just like trying to figure out what do I need that's natural or not natural or that's just good for my body. Um, and my girl Roya hooked me up with her turmeric scrub and I got a hydro jelly mask and I got this body butter and some more great things. And I'm going to put her link in the bio. A lot of people were like, dang, like I scar really bad too, especially if you are of like a darker skin complexion. Um, so... It, it definitely works. All that to say that it works, and I want to shout her out as a great Black-owned business, a business owned by a woman, a business that uses natural products that we can trust. I think you can, like, probably eat, eat all of her projects. Don't eat, not projects, eat all of her products. Don't eat them, but just letting you know that you can. Like, that's how natural it is. So shout out to Roya Shanice X Cosmetics. Thank you for helping this skin so I can have my back out my legs out my thighs out all the things out all summer even though I was gonna do that anyway now I can just you know do it even more with just more umph in it you know what I'm saying so I will put their link below and now we're really gonna get into my two cents and really get into this interview all right so I have been thinking about this topic for a little bit like off and on in my little brain um ever since I saw it was on this show called Married to Medicine. Um, it's like in a, one of those Bravo reality shows about, which is so dope though, about a bunch of black women who are doctors or married to doctors and just like their whole little fancy dancy lifestyle. Um, the drama, the good, the bad, and all of the things. Um, but one of the husbands was taking testosterone shots every morning and he talked about it on the show and he was and he's a, he's a doctor and he was just saying how yeah like sometimes men will fit trying to figure out like why are their why why is their mood low or why are they so fatigued or why do they have brain fog or why do their bones feel different lots of different things and it's because they might have low testosterone and when you think of low testosterone if you're a dummy, you might be like, oh my God, gay or something like that. Um, but that's not the case at all. It's all about having like a good hormonal balance. We all have some testosterone and we all have some estrogen. Sometimes we have like women, whenever we're about to have our periods, we have more estrogen. That's why we're ready to cut y'all's necks off. That's why we are a bit more irrational. That's why we do things like that. But that's because we're not balanced hormonally. It's all about balance. Um, and then some women have more testosterone and they kind of have more of that like male essence, not in the sense of, oh, they are a man, but you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a balance. So back to the men though. So I found it so interesting that a man was openly talking about the fact that he had low testosterone. His reasoning was his mood was fluctuating and his sexual functions, like he wasn't feeling like having sex, although he knew that he wanted to. And it was just all like a bodily thing. And he wasn't sleeping, lots of things. So I was like, hmm, that's so interesting. Then in the past, like I think two weeks ago or so, I was having a conversation with someone and um a group of friends and someone mentioned taking testosterone like supplements in a it wasn't I forgot how the combo went down they just didn't outright say that but it kind of raised my ears and eyebrows again and this is a great person a great guy who is a whole man and I was like wow like this is a real thing and I really want to let men know if they don't know about this like oh hey like let me go check out my vitals to make sure everything goes okay. Because sometimes, like we always say, we don't know why our mood is changing. And it could just literally be some type of internal bodily imbalance. 
and not even just your mood. I'm going to say like all of the things that are affected when you are imbalanced as a man. Um, it's your metabolism, your heart rate, your sleep cycles, your reproductive cycle, your sexual function, your body temperature, your bones, your bone marrow, growth and development, mood, and I think I said that body temperature. Um, and what you can do, so these symptoms of a hormonal imbalance can also occur um, due to natural causes, like it could just happen to you, or if you are stressed out, if you had some type of injury, if you had some type of illness or something happened to you um, medically, poor nutrition, and of course, lack of exercise. And even some people, it's not even that they have too low. Sometimes it's too high and you need to go work out. You need to go work out. You need to go have sex. You need to go release whatever that is that's pent up, built up. Working out is the best thing to do. Um, but yeah, low estrogen, I mean, low testosterone, low testosterone levels may lead to decreased motivation, decreased mood swings, I mean, well, mood swings, period, irritability, anxiety, and depression. Um, thyroid disorders can also lead to mood changes. Okay. Um, but yeah, so there's ways to make sure that everything is going straight as far as your testosterone goes. And we are all about optimal performance over here. This isn't to say like we're about performing at our optimal level, which is why I talk about these things being our best. So you can go get a blood test. You can get a physical exam, an ultrasound, an MRI, an x-ray, a thyroid scan, and a, a sperm count test to figure out like, hey, do I have all the things I need to have in my body? Um, and I just found that just, I just wanted to like talk about it real quick and let people know that like, that that's a possibility. Um, and men, black men especially, go to the doctor, get your vitals checked, level, balance that shit out. And I just wanted to kind of touch on that for a second. Thought it was very cool. Um, and I've also read and heard, I'm going to research it more, but some men who have like low testosterone that might possess more, like less of that, like, you know, that man trait or whatever that they people, men think they should have. Like that's all that that is. And it's totally okay as well. As long as you're balanced and you're good, like you might have more estrogen as a male and you might be like, damn, I'm more emotional than some people would think. But yeah, that's what that all is about and just was interesting my two cents little fun fact I guess to go take go check your testosterone levels and women also check your vitals and things as well but yeah we're gonna get into the interview um and another update I forgot to tell you about was to continue to subscribe to my YouTube channel I have a new video up um, it's a vlog of me and my family's ski trip, and I'll have another video up sometime this weekend. And yeah, guys, we're gonna get into this interview. Welcome to the For Your Thoughts podcast, where psychology, pop culture, and self meet. I finally have Q the therapist, Q the therapist here, Quache or Quaja. I never, I'd be like, Quache. It's Quache. Yeah, you got okay, it. Okay, okay. I was like, is it Quaja or Quache? Because, you know. <laughs> But yeah, so we went to UTSA together. Um, were we in the psych class together? Like, how do we? Honestly, we were always in the library. Yeah, I was always in the library. I don't know. It's just like Penny was just in my world. Yeah, um, and then Twitter, and then, especially. Right, yeah. like one of my top five favorite favorite people on Twitter for sure. So oh. definitely. <laughs> so she is a licensed professional. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month to you, yeah. as somebody like in this world as a black woman like we need more of you guys for real for real um and i've chose her to be on the podcast simply because okay why is it like it's like motion sensor okay um simply because um i feel like your approach to therapy and just approach to just like talking about real shit like it's yeah. like you're like you are open to vulnerability but you're also very much so funny and i think that like that's what we all like need to heal you know what i'm saying you have a great like approach to it all especially via twitter and i can't wait to see like your brand grow and just like who you are grow because i feel like you can just you can change the world with like that type of attitude so she's here to talk about all kind of like mental health things um intuition versus insecurity um the listeners know that last week i kind of dived into it by myself 
I was like, okay, this is a lot. I need somebody who studied this more than me um, to like dive into it. So first, before we get into everything else, um, we do a pen pal letter question and we kind of like give advice. It's kind of like an icebreaker. But yeah. this one, it's I'm asking the question because I forgot to pull the questions because of my brain fog. So <laughs> my question is, what is some advice that you'd give someone who experiences brain fog um, occasionally? I feel like I've seen that a lot on Twitter more than normal. And even just with us working from home and everything going on, what would you advise as far as vitamins, as far as routine? Yeah, just go for Yeah, it. so obviously um, brain fog happens right? Like it just is what it is. It's natural. We are not as human beings supposed to always be on. Mm. We have though that culture of like always being on, always being on go, being booked and busy, being super productive, but that is not how your body works. Like your body needs rest. So if you find that you're having brain fog, it may just literally be your brain saying like, I need to shut off. So my approach in my personal life and in therapy is to live as much as you can in harmony with your body as possible. So if you feel that like you can't today, then just don't. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like (laughs) It's like really simple. Right. But but if you feel that that brain fog is happening, like take some stock, like, okay, what's going on in my life right now? Am I stressed? Am I overwhelmed? Am I overworked? Has something really significant just happened to me, right? Because you may just need to sit and process. You might just need to like do some chanting, do some journaling, right? Take a hot steamy shower. Just right? make sure take it's kind of aligning. Yeah, you might need to take some time to take care of yourself. Or am I hungover? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like, why are you expecting to be on? <laughs> it's like, it's not going to happen today. That just is not. Right. So it's also, it's also not the end of the world. Right, right. But we live in a culture and we live in this like very pro productive society where it feels like if you're not always on, you're off. But that's not how your body works. So like I said, take some time, take some stock to figure out what's going on. If you just need a day, you may need some extended time off work. Like, okay, let me schedule a weekend. This is happening more often. Like, let me schedule a weekend where I do nothing you know, let me take care of myself and like sort of reset in a very natural way, as right. opposed to like, I'm not going to be the therapist that tells you to like fake it to you. It's not that, I'm never going to say that. It's right. just not going to happen because it just makes you more tired. Um, mm-hmm. And I would rather like take the cue from my body that I need to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's good to take multivitamins. I'm not a doctor, so I can't advise which ones right. to take. Um, I'm a black person. I have low vitamin D. I have low irons. Very <laughs> sleepy girl. Okay. <laughs> I was literally taking a nap. Like at four o'clock, I was like, oh no, I got to take a nap. Like, I love my nap. And you always tweet. You always tweet like, oh, I'm about to take my nap. Them 25 minute naps, they hit and you need them. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we think that taking a nap makes us like weaker or like, like we, we can't handle the day or whatever. Like I, I did it that. I've been taking naps like since I was like 18. And I've trained myself to sleep. Like if you, if you know that you need to only take a short nap, you got to be slightly uncomfortable, right? Like don't lay in the bed under your covers. Cause like the 25 minute nap is just not going to happen. Like maybe sit up on the couch propped up or sleeping in your car. If it's safe, like from work, you know, go out to your car and like take a quick 30 girl. It's better than coffee. Just don't get up under those covers. Don't, don't get under those covers. But yeah, no. So like if you're vitamin deficient, obviously that's going to affect um, like your cognitive ability sometimes, especially with certain vitamins. You just, you know, you need them. If you're protein deficient, if you haven't drank enough water, right? So, so definitely I say this to everybody who's listening. If you haven't gotten a physical in the last 12 months, when this, when this podcast is over, Go schedule a physical with a primary care physician and get a full lipid panel so that you know how to better take care of yourself. Because some of the vitamin deficiencies like vitamin D can affect your mood too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you definitely want to know where you stand before you just start taking a bunch of supplements because you may be taking something that your body doesn't need. Right. Yeah. And it's always like, sometimes it's like, okay, it might really be like, oh, I'm depressed right now or, or I'm anxious. But sometimes it's just your body needing certain like nutrients and stuff like that. What was it called again? Because I know whenever you get a physical, you have to request 
the a lipid. Full, full lipid panel. Right. Some you sometimes you have to say it. I mean, because obviously the doctor is going to run whatever test, but you know, advocate for yourself in the doctor's office, which sometimes is hard and intimidating. But mm-hmm. ask for a full lipid panel, like I said, my grandma taught me that. She's like, look, if you go into the doctor, you have to advocate for yourself. These are the things that you need to ask for. Even when you're screening for STDs, you have to ask them to screen you for everything. If you've been exposed, whatever, just ask. Right. Tell them. Yeah. Okay. So let's thank you for that. Cause I really, I know that I've taken one before and I was low iron, low vitamin D and then, but I still don't take those two, which I should probably do that. If that's <laughs> and, and I take like all kind of other, I'll do like St. John's worth. I'll do like fish oil mm-hmm. and other stuff, but it could just be the iron and vitamin D that I need to like re-up on. Also. Right. To so. help you feel better. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So more, we'll start um like with your story and how you got into this. Go into the intuition versus insecurity. Then we'll go into adult ADD, which is something that I struggle with, and I know a lot of people are like discovering that now, or or accepting it more so now. So uh, yeah, like how did you get into this work? Like, what's your story? What brought you to be a therapist? So when I was younger, I've been one of those people that have always been very like just naturally intuitive, naturally a visionary, naturally a legend. (laughs) Um, no but so when I was younger I like just knew that I wanted to be an attorney like that's what I wanted to do yeah Yeah, right I can see see that though for you too really (gasps) see I'm like you can't see it right no you can't no I can't but um, but I wanted to be an attorney and I would be watching like true tv like when it was like court right like not all these fancy shows we have now but like straight up court courtroom type boring and I'm like a little girl everybody else is watching recess and I'm watching court <laughs> and so you were watching the Powerpuff Girls and you was over there watching court no but I was still watching Powerpuff Girls don't get it twisted no but um it's one of my coping skills no but um but yes yeah, so I wanted to be an attorney but in high school which I'm very very grateful for now they mm-hmm. offered like some sort of like laws learning I don't know if they call it torts or something I don't know torts you learn about the laws and stuff and I was like oh god I hate this and um I hated it like I could not deal with that class it was boring and it was like it didn't interest me like it didn't it didn't make me spark right and at that point I was like what maybe 16 so I was like I knew what made me like excited and I was like well if this work doesn't make me excited then I don't want to do it mm-hmm. So then the following semester, I was offered an intro to psych course. It was an an AP class. So if you pass it, they gave you college credit. Uh, If you pass the AP test, they gave you college credit. I fell in love with it. And so I was like, okay, I was interested in it. Obviously, mental illness had affected my family. So I was like, okay, it gave me an idea of like what was going on. Because, you know, when you're a teenager, things are going on in your family. Like your parents will kind of talk to you about like what it is, right? So it gave me an opportunity to like know what was going on. And I loved it. I try to be mindful of how that interjects with someone else's story. So I try to be mindful. But my mom was diagnosed with schizoaffective when I was like 13 or 14. Okay. Um, she was first diagnosed as bipolar 2 and then as schizoaffective. And I had no idea what was going on. We didn't have anyone else in the family that had been diagnosed. They probably were, had the symptoms or could qualify for the diagnosis mm-hmm. but to my knowledge no one else had it mm-hmm. I was really confused because she was having symptoms and then she just didn't anymore and from what I understood I was like well isn't this like permanent mm-hmm. um and so I was really confused and so I wanted to understand what was going on there and I wanted to just be able to help other black people that kind of come into mental health uh, clinics like have somebody that looks like them have someone that can understand our culture like obviously I have this language now when I was younger I was just like I just want to help you know but um but now I see that there's such a need for people of color people from all different backgrounds like to be in this work and that my background doesn't disqualify me it qualifies me to do this work yeah so, boop, boop. Love that. You know, because sometimes you feel like an imposter when your parents, you know, you go to school with all these people from all these different backgrounds, and like my parents don't look anything like, right? You know? Like any, yeah. But it's like we need you guys because 
that's that was one of my questions for later, but we could just go into it now because sure. it's kind of for something as personal and as like deep as like therapy and healing traumas and healing things like that. It's kind of hard for someone sometimes of another race to truly understand like what a black person or a person of color is going through. Like, mm-hmm. so I wonder like, what are your thoughts on the fact that, or even just like how schooling was for you, how the theories were like, did, like, did, did you see any different like racial things that like should be updated now that we are more like awake and aware, you know? Yeah. Well, the good news is I went to school in Houston. So, um, we're a very diverse city. And so, it's harder for white people to sort of be in this bubble of whiteness when there's so many other ethnicities coexisting. So my university did as good a job as they could, like being uh, culturally aware and culturally competent and straight up being like, some of this is not going to apply to, you know, white middle-class college educated men that were studied, right. When these theories were first, when some of these theories were first um, sort of written down. Right. So I was it was kind of it was kind of like everything else that you take what is relevant and you leave what isn't right when it came to my education. But I'm really grateful that I went to that program because it's really smart people running that program, like very knowledgeable people. Um, And I definitely could see some of the disparities, maybe not so much on what the material was. But how that would come to play in a counseling setting with a person of color. Mm-hmm. And in some of our assignments, some of our research assignments or whatever, they would actually make us come from that perspective. How would this theory apply to someone from a different background? Okay. So that was really helpful. And um, when I was going to school, I worked for the Harris Center. They call it MHMRA or they used to anyway. And so I was working with, you know, low income or underserviced families. Um, So it allowed me in real time to kind of see like, okay, this technique is not really going to work. Right. Like for for this demographic. For this demographic, for this culture, for this person's values, like these certain techniques aren't going to work. So um, I always say like, even to my own clients, like therapists are like snowflakes. Everybody has their own, like, um, paradigm everybody has their own theoretical context and in terms of how they provide therapy but for me since I'm always in so many different avenues like I don't have one way of doing it I have to I have to sort of be a chameleon which being a Pisces helps me girl because you know we we are shapeshifters so I'm able to know what my client needs not just only intuitively but like asking them right so um, figuring out and going, going through that process to figure it out can you tell people, one of my roommates asked me the difference, which I know, but I'd rather you explain it, between like a psychiatrist, a therapist, a counselor, or people who are looking, because they'll like go and look and find the wrong thing, or it's harder to find a psychiatrist, of course, you know, and things yeah. like that. So explain those differences. Sure. So a psychiatrist is someone who has an MD, is a doctor, um, a medical doctor, a medicating physician. So they can prescribe medication, and usually that's all they do. They don't offer any therapeutic intervention. You're just basically talking to them about medication. So if you make an appointment with a psychiatrist, you're going to mostly be talking to them about medical like interventions, what medicines to take, getting an antidepressant, getting an anti-anxiety medic- medication, maybe something for your ADHD. Um, that is going to be the conversation that you're going to have. Therapist and counselor, those words are used interchangeably. It's the same person. Okay. Some of the master's degree who provides therapy but does not give medication. Mm-hmm. So at my level, I, I know I'm very well versed with medications, but I can't prescribe them. Right. right? So that's going to be the person. I refer someone to a psychiatrist if, if needed. Right. If needed. So um, it's going to be a majority of your talk therapy. You know, your one hour session where you talk about your feelings or learn different skills on how to cope with, you know, whatever you're going through. Um, and then you have a psychologist, which has a PhD. They don't have the ability to prescribe medication. A long time ago, there was some question about if they could like give some antidepressants in like a limited capacity, but it never passed uh, into law. So a psychologist also went to school for talk therapy. They offer therapy. They can do more like psychological testing than I can do with my license. There's some tests that I can't administer. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but they can, and they can also teach at a university level with a master's degree as a therapist. I can only teach at a community college level. Mm-hmm. So it's the same psychologists and therapists as far as that is concerned. They just they get a bigger bag. <laughs> yeah. I've always wondered um, what cause I definitely like that's one of my like long term goals. Um, but I didn't know if it was like going to get another master's and or what or, or would it be like going to be a psychologist? Because the difference is like really small, but it's just it like, I guess it's the bag, which actually is like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> and, also, and going to school, going to get your PhD is like a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, there are some PhDs that have like an LPC license, like a master's level license. Because if you go to get your PhD, and this is kind of like in the hairs, but um, if you go to get your PhD, there's also a doctoral level counseling license that you can apply for. Yeah. But it's longer, it's more expensive. And so if you already have your master's, well, let me just use my LPC license and you call me doctor. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, whatever. Because I, yeah, I want to be called doctor, but yeah, so I don't have time for that right now. So tell us about like your personal like mental health journey. If you want, if you want to share. Sure. No, yeah. I don't mind. I'm an, I'm an open book. Listen, mm-hmm. what they going to do? Nothing. Might as well share it. <laughs> You're not going to beat me up. I feel, I've noticed it's better to share because it's like, we all are going through the same stuff and thinking mm-hmm. the same stuff. And you put more of a burden on yourself when you like kind of, I mean, not, I mean like not everyone has to share, but when you think it's just, it's just you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think people find like goodness in sharing. It feels yeah, good. And, and it's, it's meaningful, especially when you are using like recovery focused language, you know, yeah. relating to your story in past tense. Um, so that it doesn't, you know, like re-trigger you as much. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it's not happening right now. It happened before. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, sort of focusing on how you grew in spite of it, as opposed yeah. to focusing on, you know, how it hurt you. I would do that in a more controlled setting. I wouldn't really share like fresh trauma in like yeah. a group setting. Like that doesn't help anybody, especially doesn't help the person. Right. That's good. That's but, good. I've never heard that word, recovery focused, or that phrase. That's good. That's good. Yeah, recovery focused language. It's just, you know, it's just being mindful of how you relate to the story. Right. In the present. Mm-hmm. Talking about something that happened in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I didn't get mental health care proper until I was like 18. Mm-hmm. I know that probably sounds early for some people, but considering all the stuff I was going through, that's really late. Right. Um, tons of traumas. I'm not even going to go there because it's like, girl, why? Yeah. But, um, tons of traumas, tons of, you know, when you're growing up with your parents, there's so many things that you're exposed to, right? My parents had me when they were young. So um, I went to my first like therapy session when I was 18 and the person was a social worker. She ain't no shit. <laughs> yeah. she was like, not because she was a social worker, but because of the thing you said earlier, like yeah. she had no intimate understanding of how culture, trauma, and, you know, mental health. She had no idea how those things intersected. She, she had been using like her surveys and stuff. Yeah. Like, she was literally yeah. like, count to 10 and breathe. And it's like, girl, <laughs> like it's, <laughs> are you dumb? <laughs> so, you know, she didn't work out. Um, but the caseworker who was not the therapist was the one who like helped me, um, transition into going to college and stuff like that. And it, we call it social justice counseling. I didn't know obviously what it was then, but social justice counseling is just going beyond thoughts and feelings, going beyond like skills on how to build interpersonal communication to actually help the person address any like physical needs. So like if a person is, you know, unhoused, if a person is food insecure, person has, you know, trouble finding a job, like, how do you feel about that? Girl, I'm pissed. Right. It's a help, right? You have to actually like help them. It's way different than that. Right. Right. To help them them meet the need because the the source of this stress or whatever, if it doesn't go away, they're not going to make much, right, improvement in therapy. And I think a lot of people, especially when you're coming from an underserved uh, community, or if you're like trying to transcend that, you actually need that more, um, those more practical skills and resources. 
Right. It's a part of the reason why people say, it, you know, therapy is not helpful because it's like, how does this change my actual life? Exactly. This reminds yeah. we've talked about this before about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is which is another thing that people talk about that has like a lot of disparities and stuff. But mm-hmm. um, I thought of that as like that's like the basics. Like yeah. and sometimes people's basics needs are not being filled, which which what trickles down to everything else. Right. So getting down to like those like. Like, you know, like, do you have a home? Like, do yep. you eat? Like, some people don't. Mm-hmm. And then you want to wonder why they're, like, fighting and doing all these things. It's like their basic needs aren't being, like, met. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. So, um, so that was, I guess, my first, like, proper therapy session. And then in college, I probably should have gone to counseling. But, of course, I didn't. I felt like how everyone else does, the partying, like, throwing mm-hmm. myself in extracurriculars. I think I've functioned pretty well for the most part. But, you know, those private feelings behind closed doors is like, okay, something's wrong. Right. Um, When I got to grad school, so I left, I graduated from ETSA in 2012. Mm -hmm. So I moved, I took a year off and I started 2014. Um, December 2012 was when I graduated from ETSA and I started the fall Mm -hmm. of 2014 here in Houston at Houston Baptist. And at first it was fine. The transition was kind of rough, like adjusting to Houston. Because it's a bigger market, it's a lot more going on. From, from I'm from Austin. Austin, okay, okay. Yeah, so bigger city, like San Antonio, great city, not anything like Houston, and so um, at all. So I was like adjusting to that. Um, I was living in a fairly nice neighborhood in San Antonio to like living on 45 and Almeda Genoa Child, <laughs> and I was like, oh, so I'm back, like. I didn't make as much progress as I thought it would. You know, that's how I kind of felt. Making less money, going to school, hating life. And um, I got really depressed. I was having panic attacks every single day. Mm. And I actually, I didn't go to a psychiatrist. I went to my PCP, primary care physician, to get medicine, which is an option if you can't find a psychiatrist or if you can't afford a psychiatrist your primary care physician may be able to prescribe like certain medications. Right. Um, obviously, if it's like bipolar, schizophrenia, some of the more persistent mental illnesses, I would suggest still going to a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. But if it's anxiety, depression, um, ADHD, I would I would suggest going to yeah. your PCP. Um, just if you can't get in with a psychiatrist, because sometimes the wait it's is so really hard. It's so hard sometimes. There's like a national shortage. Best insurance, especially like the same thing. If you have those same disparities, it's, it's one of the hardest things to get. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard. Um, but a lot of primary care physicians are sort of stepping in to fill in that gap. Obviously, it's a personal choice if they have the training, if they feel comfortable. So, um, but yeah, I went to my primary care physician and I was like, girl. <laughs> like some is like. Something <laughs> yeah, like I can't wake up. I can't shower. I can't get right. to work. I can't whatever. And so she, we tried a couple different antidepressants and over the, I guess, um, over time I got better at just saying what was actually happening so that she could get better at giving me the right meds because we have a tendency. Yeah. We have a tendency as people to like minimize our symptoms and like, that doesn't help anybody, especially doesn't help you, but just culturally, like someone asks you, how are you going to say, Oh, I'm fine. Right. But like you haven't watched, you haven't seen Yeah, it's like everything is a mess. Like you can't get to work. You're crying all the time, you know. But you're like, oh no, I'm fine. So it took me a while to like feel comfortable with her to like tell her the truth. And we finally found some medicine that worked. But then I do with all high functioning black women with depression do. The moment I start feeling better, I stop taking it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, girl. She was like. My mom be going okay. off on me. I'd be like, I don't <laughs> I don't need no medicine. I don't want to depend on the medicine. Okay, but you're depending on alcohol, <laughs> but you're depending on weed, but you're depending on people to fill the void that just take the like you're already dependent. So you might have better. Um but yeah, so she was like, Okay, girl, you feel better because you're taking your meds. So I stayed on off and on for like six years. Mm-hmm. And that helped. Mm-hmm. Helped the fog go away. Oh, no problem. No, the fog lifted and I was able to be a lot more functional, mm-hmm. um, happier, right? 
but um, you would never know because I like I cope with humor. Like I don't interact on social media if it's not funny. Like I don't want to do that because I want to break. You know, sometimes we can sort of, especially because of how um, the social media algorithm like kind of feeds us what we interact with. So like if you're in a really bad mood, like the feed's going to know because you're interacting with those posts is going to feed you more of those posts. That was a part of my um, thesis in grad school. So, yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah, no, not doing that anymore. So I would literally just like take a break or like do what I have to do. Um, But I had therapy. It was group therapy because that's what I could afford. And then when I finished school, like got my license and everything, I went back to individual therapy. And um, so I had like functional issues like that you would commonly see with ADHD. So like not, well, there's three different types of ADHD. I know we're going to talk about it later. We can, we can go into it now because it's naturally flowing that way. We can do that. Yeah. So, um, so obviously I was diagnosed with anxiety, general, generalized anxiety disorder, major depressive disorder. And um, I had some, as, as I was like reading and studying the DSM, I was like, oh, I actually have some symptoms of ADHD as well. So there's three different types. Um, you have it's an attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. In the DSM-5, that's how it's classified. In previous uh, DSMs, it was, you know, ADD, which is attention deficit disorder, and ADHD, which is the attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. But now they're just categorized as one, and there's three different types. So you have inattentive type, which is classic daydreaming, not able to get, you know, finished tasks, sort of like forgetful of things, to do things to bring, like the girl that always leaves her lunch on the counter. That's yeah, me. <laughs> that's me. <laughs> you know, forgets to take your meds, forgets to take your vitamins. Um, just like you know, yeah, not able to get anywhere on time. It's like, hey, write my name down. That's me, girl. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you have um, hyperactive, the hyperactivity type, which is a person that's more impulsive. These are the people that are more commonly like the kids that are more commonly going to get diagnosed because their behavior is considered more disruptive. So talking out of turn, sort of interjecting when no one's talking to you, interrupting people when they're talking. Um, They're also not able to follow directions as easily temper tantrums when they don't get their way um, or kind of temper tantrums when they get frustrated. Um, You're going to see more of like the outgoing behaviors, whereas someone with an attentive type may be more like quiet there's a lot of times where why their diagnosis goes undertreated or untreated mm-hmm. or maybe seen as like depression when it's really like ADHD. Right. Um, and then you have combined type, which is a, a combination of both. And a lot of people online are sort of like, wow, I've been having these issues since I was a little kid. And, you know, a lot of black families, a lot of brown families are like, you're not taking medicine. You're not going to the doctor. It's a wrap. Mm-hmm. Right. So oftentimes we're, we had to like find workarounds right, to get up when we're, like, resetting the alarm all the time or whatever, um, get your work done, and you know, all those things. So um, my doctor gave me a medication that helps with that sort of functional because my depression looks a lot like ADHD. Right. So, and a lot of times people have the symptoms, right, but in order to meet diagnostic criteria, right, in order to meet all the criteria that's required to have this diagnosis, you can't just have one or two here or there. Mm -hmm. It has to be persistent, right? You have to have X amount of the symptoms Mm -hmm. for however long in order to qualify for the diagnosis. And unfortunately, because if you weren't diagnosed as a child, you're probably not going to be diagnosed as an adult. Right. And it's a hot buzzword too. And I think that they're catching on. And then people just like Adderall. Some people just like it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's helpful but it's, it's easily abused. Um, yeah. And with black people, we're, mo- we're more often not going to be given it when we yeah. go and ask for it. So but that doesn't mean you don't need it. The other thing is ADHD looks a lot like PTSD. Mm. So if you have a lot of stressors, if you have a lot of trauma, if you have a lot of triggers, that can affect you and look like ADHD, but you'll know when it's not when you take that medicine and it makes right. you feel worse. But you don't want to get that far, just, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some antidepressants that help with some of the more functional um, impairments of right. depression and ADHD because they're kind of in the same basket as far as 
how it affects your functioning. Um, I would, you know, suggest talking to your doctor and ask for an SNRI instead of an SSRI because the SNRIs are going to have a little bit more kick to kind of help you through not being able to get things done. The SN um, have the more kick? SNRI, yeah. What What's Wellbutrin? What is that? Well, Butrin is, a, is an SNRI. So it's going to, that's a part of right <laughs> energy. Yeah, that's where the energy is coming from. Yeah, um, okay. Because the norepinephrine is going to help you with yeah. that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, like, well, Butrin, Vibrid, Pristique, um, Effexor, medications like that. Again, I've talked to my mom before on the pod. So it's like, it's an open thing. But my, my mom, had adult ADD and found out later she was like a she is a lawyer but she had to look, like stop working because it got like that bad, that bad. Mm-hmm. also led into depression and led into all these things because she just could understand why she wasn't like focusing like how she used to anymore um so she took Adderall for like years and then it started to be like not like that not that she was abusing it well actually in reality yes she was abusing it like taking it when she doesn't need to or taking more than she has to but it was not because she was trying to get high yeah. so, she, so she could keep up and just like she's used to being up. And when she didn't have it, she was like in the bed, like mm-hmm. we had to like, go get her out of the bed. I'd be crying okay. after this stuff. I always cry on the pod. So if I cry, that's what happens. Oh, but, it's like, okay. I'm trying yeah. my hardest not to. <laughs> right. So, um, but now thankfully she, her, she got like, a new doctor who actually cares about her um, right. and put her on well future. And that's why I asked about that. And it's, Look, she's like a whole new person. Game changer. Yep. She looks better. Her she's gained like her normal way back. She um why is that? It's okay. Okay. Um and she's focused, but not on no like grinding. Oh, I gotta hustle. It's just yeah. like a flow and she is falling back in love with like work again, you know, as yeah. the past like two years or so. So mm-hmm. it's really about like finding what, what what works for you and stuff like that. And be w- being willing to like try a different yeah. medication because it's not going to work on the first try all the time, especially if you're not being honest, not to say that people lie, but especially if you're not being like 100% honest about what's going on. Because in the perfect world, like you go to the doctor, they give you a brain scan, they can see which neurotransmitters are low and just give them to you. Right. But that's, that's not how it works. They're depending on your symptoms to know which medications to give you. Because different right. chemicals, right, help us do different things like dopamine, serotonin, norepinephrine, right? They give us different, those different neurotransmitters work very differently in our brain. So if you're telling them sort of what's going on, it clues them in on which neurotransmitters need some more support. Okay. So when I was um, taking Adderall, I took it for all through college, mm-hmm. for my undergrad and my master's. But um. I wasn't, I don't think I was being honest because it's like, I could get my things done. Everything was done and everything. But when it was like, when I was done with my work, like I didn't feel good though. You know what I'm saying? I didn't feel like myself sometimes. And it just was like a lot to just like figure the whole thing out or whatever. But I feel like that's a lot of people, especially when they're just starting or they they just discover some type of diagnosis and they just kind of give up on it. But even like bipolar, like all of that, like they just like, okay, no, this makes me feel weird. I'm off it. So what advice would you give for someone like that? Because honestly, like medication helped and changed my life. Like once I figured out what worked what me in my mom's life and some of my closest friends, but it is like a struggle. Like, I remember, I remember days like when I would switch my meds and I'll just be crying uncontrollably, like on mm-hmm. like, and I just wouldn't understand what the hell is going on. <laughs> I had to miss work and stuff like that. So it is a lot, but now that I'm, I love where I am now rather than even where I was before taking it, you know, going through that was definitely like worth it in a sense. Yeah. It's a process, you know, your body with some of the medications takes like mm, three to four weeks until you can see a market difference, right? A significant yeah. difference. You'll, you'll find small changes along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but being patient, understanding that it's a process. And you'll get better at knowing what's going on with you to tell the doctor sort of as the process goes along. Everyone that has tried medication, I've been working in this in mental health now for seven years. I very rarely hear someone say, oh, I tried it right away and it works. Right. No, that's not the reality. It's not the reality. You may need a different type of medication. You may need a different dose of medication. Um, You may need a pairing of two medications, right? 
Um, and you know, when you, you, you also have to understand that you're building a relationship with a medical provider, right? You're not feel comfortable saying what's wrong, you know? So just give yourself some time. Medication is helpful. It does work. I know that as black people, we have a very, um, just awful relationship with American medicines, Mm -hmm. honestly, with any medication, across the board the problem is not the medication the problem is the person that's using it right, right. the person that's not using it the person the person that's administering it to you mm-hmm. right the medication is just neutral but it can be weaponized and that is the problem not right. the medication itself the person weaponizing it was was the problem mm-hmm. and if anyone is listening who has faced medical discrimination you have rights mm-hmm. right they have bosses they have licensing boards that they are supposed to be like responsive to and their license can get took. If we do our due diligence in reporting them, if enough reports come in, they will get their license stripped. That's true. So, That's good. Yeah. I, I didn't think about that ever because we always talk about how I've even had experiences where they just give me the wrong thing or they just don't care at all. Okay. I never think to be like, Hey, I should like call somebody and tell on their ass because <laughs> it's not right. And they're going to just do it to someone. And thankfully, I know just because I, I studied psychology and then I just read up on it so much. So I know better. But some people don't, you know, mm-hmm. so that sucks. That sucks. so I mean, bad. Even if, even regardless if they know better or not, you're in a vulnerable position when you're sitting in a doctor's office. And so, you know, you shouldn't have to advocate for yourself. So they should give you the care. Like, that's literally their job. Mm-hmm. But if they're not. Yeah. You can report them to the office that they work for. If they're a private practice and you can't report it to their office, you can report it to your insurance company. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to report it to the insurance company, you can go straight to the board. You can go straight to the Department of Insurance. There are definitely, you know, organizations, bureaucracies in place to hold these people accountable. And so, you know, it's helpful to talk about it with each other to know like, okay, it's not just happening to me. After that, right? Like, what's your plan of action? The plan of action should be, I need to report this to the people who are going to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it would suck like if it's like, especially if it's something like with your, with your medication, it's like, you want to say something, but you're scared they might like not give it to you. You know, it's just so much that that goes on. That's a tenet of blackness in blackness in the medical field. Well, white people go to the doctor, listen to these commercials. On yeah. TV. I feel like ask yeah. your doctor about specific name, right? Yeah. It literally says, ask your doctor about AstraZeneca and see how yeah. it can happen or whatever. Yeah. So it's like, Hey, I spoke to my therapist. I listened to a podcast and they were talking about different medications. And I want to talk about that with you. How would X help me? How would Y help me? And if they're not willing to give you the medication that they're asking for, if they're not willing to talk about those options with you, okay, well, I want a med- I want a written denial. I want you to write out the reasons why you're denying me care. And I want a copy for my medical record. And I want a copy for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is in line with my symptoms. I can read. I'm not a doctor, but I can read. Right? Like these are my symptoms. This is how the medication helps. If you're not willing to treat me in the way that I'm requesting, I want a written denial of care. Written denial of care. I want it written down in my file. I want you to list why you're denying me care. And I also want your license number. And I want a referral to a doctor who's going to treat me. Thank right. you so much. And, 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 and they'll probably like, all right, I'm going to give it to her. <laughs> I'm just going to give it to her. Exactly. Because I want to go through all that. Exactly. Let me just give it to her. Your job is to warn me of the side effects. Your job is not to deny me care. Right. Okay, guys, so that was part one of our interview with Q. She's hysterical. She's so funny um, and so smart. I, I legit stand. But for the part two, we get into the whole insecurity versus intuition and um, codependency and some other things. Um, so, yeah, stay tuned for that. And... For peace of mind this week, I want to shout out this app that I've been using. I've been trying to be on my phone and on social media way less because yuck. And um, I just want my brain to be on a different like wavelength. Like I don't want to be thinking like everything I see on online. And then um, I'm super big on like out of sight, out of mind when it comes to just seeing things and people that you just like don't need to see right now. So 
I've been using this app. It's called Focus Lock, and you can like lock all of your apps for however long. And it works for me because it's like you can't get to it at all. Like not if you even tried to or wanted to. So if you lock that thing for like eight hours, you legit won't be able to go back and download it at all. And it takes off all of your apps except for like podcast, alarm, and the things that you need, email, like all that stays. So focus lock. It is not free, um, but it really works. And it's been giving me peace of mind because it's been allowing me the clarity and it's been allowing me just that time outside of the internet that we all need for real. I encourage everybody to take time away from the internet and from Instagram and social media. But yeah, y'all, got a blast. Until next time.